Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, let's uh, let's go to our next guest. Um, it's uh, Gav Joshi, live from India. So um, he's brought to us by... Toolkit Depot, new gear. Uh, sorry, new year means new gear at Toolkit Depot. Toolkit Depot, your one stop shop to get back on the tools. Sports Day SA. We will, we will rock you. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Gav Joshi, welcome back to the summer edition of Sports Day SA. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. I've heard. Um Adelaide's still warmer than India today. What's going on? <laughs> it's a nice balmy 38 here today, and we've got about three days uh, getting up over 40 in the next uh, by sort of Wednesday here. So, yeah, a bit warm, but that's okay. You're you're loving it uh, over there in India, aren't you? Oh, I think the humidity is close to 95%, but wow. apart from that, the temperature are about the same. So... I think I'll still prefer Adelaide. <laughs> All, right. All right. It's a bit of a shock uh, coming off the back of yesterday and Australia just collapsing to be bowled out for 113. They lost nine for 48. What were your initial thoughts watching? Initial thoughts were they've got a, a plan and they're going to stick to the plan and it's <laughs> lack of adjustment and that's pretty much it. You, you felt like, okay, we're going to attack, but... You've got to see where the ball is, um, and I don't think they played on the merit of the ball, and that was a big problem. Yes, it's fine to have preconceived ideas, and Pat Cummins said this after the first test. Maybe you know we need to make sure that even having preconceived ideas, we need to be a little bit mindful, but they did really well in the first innings. I thought Australia was so far in front of the game, scoring 270 on that pitch, and having India yeah. 7 for 130, but... Yeah, that, I mean, collapse, you just, you knew, you always felt a collapse is around the corner, but every, about three or four of our batters, it just felt like they're going to get out every ball. And I never sensed that with the Australian cricket team for a long time now, possibly until, you know, even 2013 when they were whitewashed in, uh, in, in India back then, but this looked really a fragile batting unit. Yeah, it was a fragile batting unit, and we'll get onto that just quickly. But uh, well, I suppose we we should mention the, the match-saving innings from Aksar Patel and also Ravi Ashwin, who chipped in with 37. I mean, you meant what they seven for 139 at one stage, and that and it looked like Test match over Australia, right back into the series. But just steadied the ship those two, and turned out that was a, a match-winning partnership between those two. Oh, massive! And I think even Bharat's been saying. It. I've been saying it when I, you guys have had me on that it's the India's depth. And if you just look at the trend around the test matches around the world, like six, seven, and eight have become so pivotal um, in test matches, home or away. And, and these guys, India, know how to bat in these conditions. Their techniques, even in their lower order, seem to be superior than some of the Australian batsmen. And you're right, Akshay Patel, I mean, he doesn't get enough credit in this test match because he is predominantly a bowler. But his innings in Nagpur and, and again in Delhi have probably been the, the pivotal innings that have changed the course of the match in India's favour. And you're right. I mean, at 
trailing by, you know, 120-odd with three wickets in hand, mm. it felt like Australia's going to get a lead of 350 and India's going to be completely against the wall. But things changed very quickly in India. Yeah, he, w- he was excellent and he probably could uh, bat four for Australia in the next t- test if we can just rush through his paperwork. <laughs> um, well, I, it was t- some of the shots played in the second innings by the Australians, it was a bit like village cricket. There was just some ridiculous uh, sweep shots. What was the fascina- fascination with the sweep shot with the Aussies, you think? I think the best sweep sweeping we saw on day three was once the test match was over and all the ground staff mm-hmm. came on, they started sweeping the pitch. I think that's <laughs> the best thing we saw. Um, but they're not some of the, like, Matty Renshaw, he's not a natural sweeper. Um, you know, Alex Carey likes to sweep, but he, from what I heard, you know, he, he was being told as, you know, about six months ago in Sri Lanka that there needs to be an alternative option um, for him because if the sweep shop is blocked, what are you going to play? And I thought Matty Hayden was perfect in his commentary. He said it's fine. And Matty Hayden, you know, nearly won us the series back in 2001 playing the sweep shot. And he said, it's fine to play the sweep, but you don't need to either sweep on line or length. And especially sweep shot becomes productive when there's good bounds. When it's a low skidding kind of pitch like the one in Delhi, it becomes difficult to sweep because the bat, the ball can go under the bat and you can't, you have to sweep online rather than length. And that's what they got caught up on. But it's, if the shot is not natural, getting players to play it, like Steve Smith's a big example of it. I mean, when he scored that 100 in Pune on a ranked turner, he barely swept. So why is he sweeping here? And I think <laughs> that just tells me that, you know, there's a bit of like, uh, there's mixed messages, not just by the coaching staff, but in, in the players' mindset as well. So you mentioned they had a plan, they stuck to it, but everyone sitting at home watching could see that this was going to be the undoing of the Australian innings. The, the, the sweeps, the reverse sweeps, sweeping on middle stump, which is fraught with danger. If you miss the ball, you're going to get out LBW. So, I mean, we could all see at home, how could they not have made those adjustments up and in the, in the box, when the, I mean, the players are watching. And then Pat Cummins comes on and plays one of the worst shots we've seen uh, all summer. I mean, that was just outrageous from a captain, let alone anyone, when the side is in strife. So you mentioned the plans. How, how can they not adjust on the run? Is that coaching? Is that just a player-driven thing? What, what do you think went wrong? I think it's a bit of panic um, and it's a mixture of everything else. Uh, technically, I've said it from after f- the first test match, and you said it, and, you know, Alex, Alex Patel could probably bat at number four for Australia. That's because he can trust his defence. You, you have to be innovative, even at someone like Alex Carey. We know he scored a quick fire 35 in the first innings of the first test, but you've got to be able to trust your defence. Now, yes, Pat Cummins played a big, you know, it was village cricket, but that was a straight ball. All you need to do is put your foot down and, and literally put your head over the ball and block it. It was this very, but there's a lack of belief in the defense. So I think from what I've heard as well over in India, there seems to be so much emphasis on how to score uh, uh, rather than saying, okay, back your defense guys. Cause if you can keep the good ball out, you will get the poor one. Yes. The Indian spin bowling attacks good, but there seems to be no focus on the defense. The only guys who seem to be able to defend the ball is probably Manas Labuschagne and, and, and to an extent, well, Travis Head showed it when he opened the batting. But mm. apart from that, the defense is just not adequate. And I don't think they've worked hard enough on it or the coaches have not focused on it enough. It seems to be like work out a method to score and we'll succeed. It worked in the first innings, but you need alternative options. You need plan B. And I don't think India, uh, Australia have plan B or plan C for the um, for other matter. 
want to ask you about Dave Warner, uh, replaced in with concussion protocols and also now has a fractured bone in his arm. Is that the end of Dave Warner's test career? Well, from what I've just been heard, um, he's, he's going to get an assessment. He's not leaving the Tories yet, but there is going to be an assessment on his fitness. Whether he continues, look, to be fair, I think his place is in jeopardy as well. And if he's got a bruised arm, he's probably on the way home. What I find intriguing is David Warner has also said leading into the test before he went to India that he's been fatigued. Now, that, that's not a great mindset to go to you know, India, one of the toughest places to bat. So you wonder what his mindset's like and doesn't have a great record in England. Um, you know, if, if Travis Head might open in sort of the third test. Where does he bat? There's other mm. options. Marcus Harris, I think, is going to play England, uh, playing county cricket in England. So, look, I, I think it's a tough decision. I, I still think he'll end up going to England, but I think he's on very thin ice. Is tra- Well, just further to that, then do you believe Travis Head is the man to take Dave Warner's place at the top of the order? In the subcontinent, you, you, it seems logical. He's batted beautifully. I mean, his innings on the second night but put Australia in command, I thought, um, and just the way he addressed the new ball. Um, and the good thing about Trav is he actually backed his defence, what some of the other players didn't. And you didn't see Travis Head sweeping a lot. You didn't see him reverse sweeping. He, he sort of used his feet, danced down the pitch, which is a little bit like what the Indian the batsman did as well. So I, I think it's a good choice to have someone like Travis Head and give Australia that rapid start, perhaps. And we know how quickly and briskly he can score. He's good against the short board. Um, I think the way he played the Indian spinners in the second test, I'll be very tempted to just open with Travis Head in the third and fourth test match. What changes do you make to the side? So Head, Head will open the batting if David Warner is unfit with a concussion and arm. Do you uh, make any other changes? Would you bring... Uh, um, Seema back in? Well, I mean, are they fit? I believe Josh Hazelwood's going to head back home. The only option is Mitchell Stark. Um, and, and what spinner are you going to get? Is the two off he's going to work? I don't think Kuhneman worked. I think he's a good bowler. Uh, but I just don't think, I think there was too much pressure. Uh, just going back to the point, guys, about you mentioned coaching. Um, Daniel Vittori's the bowling coach. Now, if he hasn't been able to get Ashton Agar right, what are the chances Matt Kuhneman's going to go across there and succeed in a test match, which is something I find very puzzling. Uh, so I, Australia might just have to bank on a bit of pace bowling. I know they've gone for the spin option, uh, but look, Stark, uh, Cummins have to play, um, and uh, to Nathan Lyon. And look, if Cam Green comes in, you might just have to still play with Murphy. I still think Murphy looked... It was a little bit disappointing, uh, but I think you still got to play maybe even two offies because I don't think Kuhneman's got it. Uh, if if Swepson does end up in India, I have a feeling that he'll get, he'll get a game, uh, but we're waiting to see, and I think on Wednesday we'll get a confirmation if Swepson does come across in India. If he plays, I think Australia might just have to you know, play the leg spinner because they're running out of options pretty quickly. All right, Gav, before we let you go, uh, you and Barat have written a book about India's win in Australia. Tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah, mate. It's, uh, look, it, it, it was one of the, you know, played in COVID times. <laughs> India brought a band of 60. And importantly, there weren't many journalists, well, no one from an Indian angle to cover it. And lucky Barat and I were there. We were crossing border towns that sort of hiding and waiting to get confirmations <laughs> from, you know, ministries to see if we can cross into New South Wales. We got a lot of great insights from the Indian camp as well, from the Australian camp. It was one of the most epic series played. I don't think we're going to get a series like that maybe forever. Um, or maybe I'm just trying to sell the book here. Uh, but uh, it, 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 
<laughs> but look, it was just an epic series. There's some great insights on how India planned for it, um, and but they were so quick to think on their feet and how it caught Australia off guard. It's it, it's one of the remarkable stories, and it's the book is called The Miracle Makers, uh, Indian Cricket's Greatest Epic. But look, there, there's lots of good stuff there, in, in there, and you know if you're an Australian, it's worthwhile getting to just. You can also see a little bit of different mindset between Indian cricket and Australian cricket in that as well. And of course, written by you know who I call maybe the future mayor of um, Norwood, Barats and the Resin. <laughs> Thanks, Gabba. Look, appreciate your time. Have a great uh, have a great couple of weeks over there and enjoy the rest of the tour and um, thanks for joining us on the summer edition of Sports ASA. No problems, guys. Thanks for having me on.